Why have I quit my job? Why have I, you know, bought a van? And, and why am I going to drive around the country? Well, I'm passionate about the idea that you need to be heard. And I want to stitch these stories together across the states. We're going to find the commonalities. And it's going to be really an amazing experience. And I look forward to you joining me on the job. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Mental Health Today. I'm your host, Ken. And uh, it's another beautiful day here in Durango. It's where I happen to be for the JAR, uh, interviewing people here in their homes. I just did a great interview uh, just now, just came back uh, before I'm sitting down with our next guest, Mark, here on the Mental Health Today show. Uh, but for the JAR show, this week I met two super high-performing athletes uh, living here in Durango. And they are one is a trail slash um, obstacle runner, long distance, and the other one is just a pure long distance runner. And they are just, uh, it's peak athletics uh, to meet two real world-class athletes uh, and to sit down with them, have a conversation. is just fantastic. Great motivation. And also to give a man like that a manly hug and to feel a, a human body that is so wired. Uh, and just absolutely muscle and and bone and sinewy. It's the only way I can describe it. I mean, who the heck else runs up for a hundred for a hundred miles and runs up twenty four thousand feet of elevation? Oh my gosh, it's just amazing. Uh, but anyway, thanks for thanks for joining us today. It's a great. What you saw in that little video is me expressing kind of my my uh, ideas of what I would see in the road with the jar. And it turned out the common thread was mental health. Uh, I didn't see that in my radar, did not, was not on my bingo card uh, for the show, but it's really what came around, came about was people's struggles and, and stories and journeys. And I started this podcast so we could highlight people that are in the space doing something different to kind of affect change. Because I'm a big believer, if you keep doing the same thing over and over again, you're going to get the same results, right? So mental health crisis is not going in our direction we need change. We need people with real experience and real passion. And and our next guest got some real experience, and uh, he's pretty passionate about it. Turned his whole life over into it. Um, so, Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks for being a guest. Thanks for taking time out of your day. Hey, thanks for having me, Ken. I really appreciate it. Excited to be here. Yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be kind of fun. We were, we talked offline a little bit as I was reading your story. Uh, I was struck by you know the 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 fact that you that you had epilepsy, but how you got epilepsy was really interesting to me, or, you know, at least maybe the onset of it was, was through, was through sports. You can tell that story um, at some point, but also I shared, you know, my own concussion story and how, you know, surprising it is. And I probably still, I mean, I'm sure I'm somewhat still affected by it because it was a pretty serious, uh, serious concussion. You lose yeah. four or five hours of your day. Um, you probably damaged your brain, per, you know, some permanent damage. Um, and I, and I don't know as much as you would know about this as well. So it'd be interesting to see, uh, to see your take on that. But our next guest, you know, uh, Mark is interesting, interesting person taken, taken, not tragedy, but definitely a life event. And you turned it into something really positive, Mark, maybe tell us a little about what you're doing now. Um, who are you? What are you doing now? We'll kind of, maybe we'll, we'll peel it back and, and talk about the, you know, how that journey came about. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, today, I work with companies helping them incorporate mental health and well-being into 
their strategies and their plans. And it's understanding that uh, a lot of it is uh, employees now making this a priority. And so companies uh, are feeling like they need to. I've been in the workplace mental health space for 20 years. And uh, it, it felt like when COVID hit, uh, companies just kind of woke up and wanted to do so much around mental health. <laughs> and, um, that was great. It was one of those, yeah, you know, been yes. waiting 15 years for this. Yeah, I've been banging on your door for 15 <laughs> yeah, years. Exactly. You, you wouldn't even return my call. <laughs> I'm glad you're here now, but yes, uh, there's a lot we can be doing. And so um, that, that's what I'm doing now. I work for myself. I um, truly help companies put strategies in place, design custom programs. So I do a lot of training, mm. a lot of coaching, both group and individual uh, consulting on the different benefits out there. Okay. Uh, and, and, you know, you, you mentioned kind of where my story started. And I think it's one of those where, you know, you, you, have to have some experience to look back on to realize what molded you and yes. uh, drove you to yes. be who you became or who you become. And for me, it was being diagnosed with epilepsy uh, when I was in high school. It was due to concussions in high school football. And um, beyond that, it really changed my life with the trajectory I wanted to go career wise. Back then, mm. uh, you know, I wanted to go into law enforcement and uh, actually, at first, I didn't realize that had been shut down for me. And it was only my uh, in my freshman year of college, I was speaking to the medical director for the Dallas Police Department. And he was like, yeah, no, no agency anywhere in the world is going to sign off on you carrying a gun if you're having seizures. And I was like, oh, great point. Never really thought about that. And so uh, had this kind time of for, time for a new career. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I had this moment of searching and when you have epilepsy, you're in your head, you're always wondering, or at least I was always wondering when the next seizure is going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's, what's going to trigger it, all that stuff. And so uh, you can really get down, I'll, uh, get into some bad places. I still work uh, with the epilepsy foundation here in Colorado, very extensively around their mental health uh, mm. uh, programs. Cause I, I really didn't have anything growing up. No one ever said, um, do you know how to manage your stress? They told me I had to, you know, kind of follow four rules in life, take my medication, okay. reduce my alcohol, eight hours of sleep every night and reduce your stress. But no one ever said really how to do that. Um, <laughs> how do you reduce your stress when you're terrified? You don't know when yeah. you're going to wake up again on your back, staring at strangers. Exactly. And, and I was, you know, going into my senior year in high school and I was like sleep and no alcohol. Yeah. You know, not exactly. <laughs> on the docket for this year. So um, like there, there were some immediate changes and then some longer term changes okay. that I didn't fully recognize. And when I was in that bad space uh, in college, uh, what I did find out is that helping other people really allowed me time to get out of my own head and just focus on them. And huh. so I, I did a, a few different volunteer activities and just kind of, uh, allowed that to begin driving me. And uh, I, I eventually ended up in graduate school getting a master's in counseling okay. psychology. I'm a licensed therapist. Oh, and, interesting. Um, I didn't know. I didn't. I missed that part. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm an LPC here in Colorado, a licensed okay. professional counselor. And then I'm a board certified coach, which is a credential only available mm. to people with a clinical background. Um, 
because I do a lot of mental fitness coaching now, but um, okay. I'm a little bit of an odd bird because like in graduate school, there were only 13 people in my cohort, uh, two guys, me and another guy. And like, he immediately got out of the clinical world uh, to get into like college recruiting or something. So just by me being a male, I was uh, pretty unusual, but then I wanted to look at the workplace. I wanted to find a common denominator yeah, yeah, where we yeah. could help a large group of people. And, and my professors kind of didn't know what to do with me. They're like, we, we teach people to do individual and group therapy and, uh, you know, work in an agency or in private practice. And I was like, well, you know, I, I kind of like the workplace and finding a way to impact a large group of people all at once. And so they pointed me to employee assistance programs or EAPs. I don't know yeah. if you've heard of these. Um, yep. They're mainly known for free counseling sessions for companies, but there's yeah. a, a lot of other things they do. And I started in that field and for about five years did behavioral risk consulting, which was helping companies address uh, risk employees in distress in real time. So these were uh, okay. possible suicidal employees, homicidal okay. employees, threats of violence, acts of violence, employee death, positive drug screens, like kind of the underbelly of the American workforce. I uh, say, this does not sound like a career I want to be in law for very oh, long. You, you sit in a cubicle, a call drops in your ear from anywhere in the U.S., and it's either an employee uh, who is struggling, who's in distress, and so they had to get kicked to a clinician, or it's like an HR director saying, I have this employee crying at their desk. I don't know what to do. Um, and, and like it, it got dicey at times because we were messing with people's uh, livelihood or not messing with them, but uh, they, their livelihood was impacted. Like I had a death threat made against me one time what? because this guy couldn't stay sober at work and we yeah. were working with him trying to help him uh, get sober and he just wasn't at, at that place yet. So he got fired and uh, like... My company had security walk me to and from my cubicle for two weeks to the edge of the company property. Um, it's like that was my start in it. And then I moved to training where I developed uh, a catalog of yeah. trainings on wellness for companies and mental health. And then 10 years mm -hmm. in sales and account management um, with four of those years working with some of America's largest companies, helping them design custom wellness programs. And I worked for... Uh, Anthem Insurance, and uh, they're they're a medical insurance company. So yeah, uh, they were never they're they're not going to lose business because their behavioral health or EAP offerings aren't up to snuff because those are pennies on the dollar compared to what they can charge for medical insurance. And so ah. um, I was given kind of this um, this permission to design yes. whatever I wanted, whatever yes. they wanted. Just keep them happy. You know, your programs aren't that expensive. Just keep them happy. And so I had this front row seat to see what some of the largest companies in America did to design uh, custom mental health programs for their employees. And so I, I left my job in uh, 2021. And now I work with a lot of small and mid-sized companies yeah. and see the options available to them. Because usually that size company has an off-the-shelf menu they have to choose from. Yes. And, yes. you know, the, the gigantic corporations who have, you know, wellness <laughs> teams and benefits teams and all this stuff, they, they can get really creative. And so I try and take that creativity I saw and was a part of and, and help yeah. companies see they have more options than just the standard offerings out there. Yeah. And, and this is all EAP related. 
you're saying the EAP part or are you you're doing the I mean that sorry the, the EAP plan you're doing a more holistic EAP plan or are you really focusing in on the mental health piece of it yeah no uh, it, it's not really EAP driven anymore I left that industry when I started my okay. own company but it's a lot of those practices I learned um, so mm. for example one thing is you know mental health is an umbrella term with illness yes. on one side well-being on the other mm-hmm. yet, companies, um, they don't promote mental health very often. So they always focus on the illness side, signs and symptoms, you know, how to talk to someone, all that. And there's this group of boys, you know, I I like, I like the term worried well, who don't need to see a therapist yet, but could possibly need to, if they keep going the direction they're going. So if we can grab them before they get there, then, you know, maybe they never need to enter into that fractured mental health system that we have. Um, so that's a lot of my focus now because EAP was very reactive. Hey, you're struggling, come to us for counseling. Okay. A lot of my messaging, and this is what I worked with, with, you know, the large employers who I had as accounts, uh, their messaging was more well-being based and they understood that it wasn't an either, or it was, we need to promote the heck out of it. You know, they're, they're recruiting a ton of employees. They're seeing the data that mental health is more important and that younger generation Mm. want to talk about it more and want uh, this promoted more. Uh, So the companies I work with understand that all of that play into not only the performance of their employees, but their ability to hire in the future and to retain and, um, adapt based on what employees of younger generations are going to want. You have a couple of questions come to mind. Um, I'm not quite sure what order to ask them. Okay. Because uh, the other one's kind of a rabbit hole. The second one's more of a rabbit hole, kind of a conversation changer. Um, what do you, what is the most glaring? Like when you come into companies right now, what, what's the most, what's the most like the, you know, you you walk in, it's like, obviously this is going to be the problem in nine out of 10 companies. And I know like as people, like we try to not think of the solution before we see the real case. Um, what are you kind of seeing? What are you holding yourself back from, you know, walking into a new client and going, I'm pretty sure I know what this is because it's been in the last eight clients. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think, understanding motivations because some groups want to check the box. Hey, mental health is, uh, or uh, May uh, is mental health awareness month. So let's do a training. Let's post an article on okay. the internet side, check the box. Hey, we did something for this year. Uh, so that's one type of company. You have okay. others that, you know, we'll, we'll put a training calendar in place and we'll talk about it. Uh, and, and then you have other companies that, we'll add new vendors. Hey, there's this new G whiz service out there, an app that, you know, does mindfulness or whatever. Just for you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, And and so that's a lot of how companies think about it and uh, very few, and this is the message that I try and get across or one of them is uh, very few companies look at leadership when it comes to mental health and how can they support their employees What's interesting about that, though, is that the 2023 um, global like workplace survey from the Workforce Institute uh, said that managers, uh, 70% of managers have the same amount of impact on an employee as their spouse. So think about that. Your boss has just as much impact on you as your spouse. And 
I, I imagine people would agree with the idea, happy spouse, happy house, you know, and when it's not that way, it can be stressful and exhausting and you're walking on eggshells. And if that's how you're living around your leader at work, then your mental health is never going to reach above, you know, a certain point yet companies are so focused on, Hey, look at this new thing we have. And, what, comp- what employees are hearing is, oh, now I have to go do something else. I have to go download an app or call an 800 number or create a profile before I can you know, get help. Uh, and, and all those things are necessary. I, I get that. Yeah, you got you to gotta have them. Yeah. But, but companies rely too heavily on vendor partners and benefits to truly address workplace mental health. And for me, it starts with your leaders and it's not just educating them on signs and symptoms and how to talk about and all this. It's a a space to say, Hey, how are you doing? It seems like it's kind of nuts out there and allow leaders to say, yeah, shit's crazy right now. You know, yeah, I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm stressed more than I normally am. And, And, you know, this isn't diving deep into their psyche or anything like that. It's just, Hey, these people have a lot going on. And just because they have the title and a higher paycheck doesn't mean they're not human. And the influence they have is gigantic. So why not focus on taking care of them? Yeah. And educating them, right? Giving them the tools on, on also just that displacement, you know, conversations they have. I, it's, it's so true. My worst days in corporate were working for monsters. I mean, yeah. worst days of my life, I should say, because it wasn't corporate. It was, you know, it's it's everything. Uh, it just permeates your life. If you're in a toxic workplace where your boss is, you know, not helping you, um, boy, man, that's life changing, life altering. Yeah. And, you know, organizations will, again, focus so much on these external factors and yeah. not really pause and say, how are our leaders impacting our employees' mental health and can we be doing anything to support our leaders knowing the ripple effect is real? Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, th- this goes back to the concept of emotional contagion and yeah, anyone no, can, no. you know, spread an emotion through a group. So yes. what type of emotion are your leaders spreading? And is there anything you can do to help them spread, you know, more positive ripple, I guess. And, uh, you know, that starts with taking care of them. Yeah. And, and that's another thing that, I think uh, I'm always combating or, you know, people in this field are combating and that is this internal perception at companies that wellness programs are really for employees. If, if you're a manager or a leader of some type, you really should be able to handle uh, this. You know, are you going to take a minute? It's actually very, you know, it's very true, Mark. It it's is. really true. So I never thought of that. So companies that, you know, kind of go all in on, Hey, we're going to take care of our leaders are, demonstrating to employees, hey, you can advance here. Um, Because think of an employee sitting there going, oh, I want to be a leader here someday. And evidently my leaders don't have time to take advantage of wellness challenges or personal days or whatever. Well, you know, I want to be a leader here too. So I guess I can't do that. Or or, or worse, you know, when you get to become a leader, you don't have, they don't give you time off for that. Yeah. Yeah. So you you don't have access to those because you don't need, you know, that's also a bad message. It's another question I had in my mind. This is so a, a real quick comment back on one thing you said earlier, which I'm, I'm I completely aligned to, which is that 
you know, do what did you call the group that's doing okay? They're well. Uh, the, the worried well. Worried well, right? I'm a fir- I'm really a believer in the education part and the tools and information and knowledge people, so they know, you know, w- what is my current state? I mean, I I don't even know how to check my own mental health state. My, you know, what's my dashboard? It'd be great if people had a little dashboard at work, and and then you know they could find out. Um, you know, how, how I am doing relative to other people. Oh, I'm not alone. And what are some of the tools that I can use to keep, I'm a five, you know, I don't want to be a seven. How do I, and I think like, that's what you're saying is we give tools to people so they don't become sevens, that they can become a three. Yeah. Yeah. And in my experience, um, I've seen this so many times benefits teams or HR get so excited about a new service they're adding. Uh, you know, a new app or some type of on-demand learning, and then it doesn't get utilized. And uh, that that's a shame because like you just said, I think that education is important. Mm-hmm. I think it doesn't get utilized because again, employees here, oh, you have to go do more. And so that's why I really kind of yeah. harp on four things. And that is, uh, it needs to be spoon fed to them. Telling them I- to go do something isn't really going to well- work. Yeah, uh, it needs to be bite size, you know, um, people taking an hour off to go to a training that can't work for everyone at work. So it needs to be bite size. Yeah, it needs to be short term. Uh, so people see an end date to whatever okay. program you're going to be doing. And it needs to be personalized. And uh, if you think of mental health in America right now, uh, or at least, you know, a lot of people, it's 800 numbers or insurance carriers or whatever, but uh, organizations that really want to make mental health a conversation, find ways to Mm. personalize it. So for example, uh, I was fortunate enough that when I left my job, one of my accounts uh, signed me to a five-year contract as uh, kind of their internal face of mental health. And so I do a lot of trainings for them, do a lot of coaching because they believe in that idea of, if people see the same face over and over uh, doing teachings or, you know, offering coaching sessions or whatever, mm. there's a comfort level there. Yes. And if you make it something that is spoon fed to them, like me popping into a meeting saying, Hey, you know, I'm going to spend 15 minutes doing a quick training. I'm on your agenda for 15 minutes. At the end of it, you're going to have an opportunity to sign up for a program we're running. That's going to be eight weeks. I'll drop the uh, sign up link in chat if this is interesting to you, but the 15 minutes we're going to spend together are just going to be a brief kind of example of what you're going to get from the program. Cool. Like that type of approach versus go call an 800 number. You know, p- people don't have to do anything else. They're already in a team meeting. They have to attend and you yeah. know, you just go to the chat, you know, click on the link and sign up right then. Uh, so whatever you can do in that regard to spoon feed it to employees, mm. you're going to get better results. Yeah, I, I, I'm a fan of that. I, I'm been, I've, involved, I've been involved in a lot of training uh, over the years. And, you know, as soon as, you, as soon as you outsource that to non-humans, non-mandatory, non-follow-up, non, you know, like you said, also small pieces over a period of time. Uh, it's the only way people learn anyway. Yeah. You, know, you can't, can't give somebody a one-hour lecture on mental health. Well, the... It, yeah. The, yeah, sorry, the, go thing ahead. That, the thing that truly uh, made me leave my job was that uh, in the fall of 2020, you know, COVID's raging. 
people are burned out. Uh, you have this division between office workers now and people who still have to come into their jobs and everything. And uh, within the same week, I have two of my accounts call me. One's uh, a petroleum company. The other one's uh, just a power company. And they both say the same thing, that our leaders are exhausted and they want a place where they can come together and just kind of talk about things, not only uh, within themselves, but what's happening in their team. Are other yeah. people seeing this? You know, how are they reacting? How are they supporting their team? You know, it's kind of eerie how uh, it was like within the same week. And wow. they truly were like, hey, there, there's nothing else really like this in the marketplace. Everything is either on-demand learning or like individual services. We want more yes. of a group yeah. format. Uh, so I left my job after uh, delivering it for a year for these two accounts and it went really well. And so now uh, one of the programs I lead, I have two other coaches. Uh, it's an eight week uh, group coaching and on-demand learning type program because the group coaching was so effective with leaders that you know, at first sat there going, what is this you know, mental fitness coaching stuff? Uh, I'm not sure how much I want to disclose I and mean, it's going to hurt my advancement. I am a leader here. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they quickly realized this was just, Hey, how are you taking care of yourself right now? Did you get out for that run that you said you were going to do? Or, you know, you said you're going to get a date night in this weekend. Did that happen? You know, it was just, how are you taking care of yourself? And once they realized that it was more lighthearted than like what they think about mental health at work, because everyone talks about the mental illness once I realized, oh, there's just about well-being and, and having a good foundation yeah. for doing that, they really got into it. And so I was like, I'm leaving my job. I'm doing this. And uh, it's, it's going really well. We're excited. Uh, so cool. You find a spot. I I love those stories when you're when it's that epiphany hits. You look around. You're like, I love this is what I want to be doing. Yeah. Like, this is. And you have to see the I think when you see the impact you're having, it yeah. really delivers. Right. You're like, OK, this is my passion. Um, you're right. I'm helping people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, three years ago, I was doing utilization reports and contract renewals and all that stuff on top of the fun stuff I was doing. But, you know, part of my day was just spent grinding away at stuff that I just did not care about. And now you know, <laughs> and, when, and really didn't matter in yeah. the scheme of things. In the whole scheme of things. You're right. Uh, it's just a number on someone's on that. someone's PowerPoint. Yeah, exactly. HR showed that to some regional guy. The guy asked a couple of questions and they, and they went and done. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you got a question. Maybe. Um, yeah, maybe. Uh, and, it, and probably it's not good attention anyway. Um, side, totally different question, but sure. it's really, it's totally related. And it's comes back to your benefit side. You're, you're kind of that benefit side. Has there been any quantification of the impact of letting mental health kind of permeate in the workplace, not addressing it? And I've always got that belief that, you know, the hospitals are filled with people in, you know, as a result of mental, poor yeah. mental health, yeah. you know, maybe not mental, partially mental illness, poor mental health. I mean, heart attacks, stroke, maybe some kinds of cancer, uh, who knows what other kinds of diseases that end up manifesting, you know, to showing up, but yeah. really the real cause is how people are thinking and, and self-caring. Yeah. Um, you know, I just I think the the power of of us addressing mental health, the people who are worrying well, is that the, the, the worrying, worried well? Yeah, the worried. You know, I the impact of worried well going you know becoming ill because of the worry. I mean, they show up in hospitals. It's a real thing. 
Yeah. Um, do we have? Is there any quantification of how much money we can save if we address the mental health crisis? It's it's tricky uh, because some organizations, including my former employer, would say like, if you add EAP services, we can save you so many you know dollars per month per member, uh, and that's almost impossible because year over year, you don't know where those medical claims are going to swing. Uh, so to be able to say, you know, you're going to save X amount is, is really, you know, right off the bat, <laughs> uh, kind of just, uh, yeah. Impossible. I, I was so, an insurance salesman. I would never allow my reps to say that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, bananas. And, and you really need to move people away from ROI, you know, that return on investment yes. because yeah. it's, so difficult to define. And so you'll hear a lot of times in this space, mm. people talking about a uh, value of investment instead of return, because it's hard to put those, uh, you know, dollar amounts on there. Yeah. But if you look at value of investment, that's when you look at things like not only uh, medical claims, but disability claims, how are those yes. impacted? Yeah. How is retention impacted or uh, recruiting costs or onboarding, you know, costs, mm -hmm. uh, being able to see that there are a number of different areas that uh, will be impacted. Yes. Yeah. Able to bring them all together saying we, we've seen changes in these areas, but saying, you know, quantifying it to a specific dollar amount really, really is impossible and pretty unethical, you know, but being able to say it only makes sense that when leaders it, it makes sense. are better, employees are better all the data shows happier employees are more effective in their hours can work longer hours all that stuff yeah less um, sick days and everything else i mean yeah most most sick days are calling in saying i just can't face my boss tomorrow yeah exactly i just don't want to hear it i don't want to hear i can't go in for another day of that i need one more i need one more day off yeah exactly i need, I need a break from it yeah that's an interesting you know, it's, you, I like the way you articulate that, that it's, it's really hard, but there are the values that you can quantify sick days, you know, like I said, turnover, other things you can, you can put some quantifying around. It'd be interesting to see. I'm sure there'll be people, I'm sure this will happen. Those numbers will start to, you know, someone will make those numbers up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and I mean, there's a lot of different people saying a lot of different things um, during the pandemic, the venture capital investments and in behavioral health technology just skyrocketed. So, yes. you know, trying to put quantifications behind that uh, was interesting. It was kind of the wild west for a couple of years. Um, but, but bottom line, I think there are a few key ones, you know, your medical costs, how did those yep. change? How did disability change? Knowing depression is, mm. you know, the number one driver in disability costs. Uh, like you said, absentee, absentee days um if people are leaving the organization in that exit interview are they mentioning mental health stress burnout uh yeah. you know difficult relationship with their leader or whatever um so tracking that as well you know, so so there's a number of things that i think are important to look at but if someone mm -hmm. is telling you a hard number uh of what you can save be weary yeah, be yeah, be very wary. Um, well, unless you know, and I think it'll take some years before you get the data that you could you could show the data to say, here's how I got that number. Sure. You know, at least at least at some point we can maybe see the data. 
if you've got two companies in a similar location with similar circumstances and you measure both independently. Um, it's not trials, it's not clinical stuff, but it's it'll give people an idea. It, it won't be long. Well, it is, it is cool. There's data out there now uh, and it's more around uh, health, safety and well-being. Uh, but, mm. you know, if, if you're a company and okay. you win one of like four different awards, like there's a Gallup award and a, like a cup award or something. But uh, what they've done is they've put uh, stock portfolios together of just winners of these awards. So these are companies that um, are, are saying they focus on well-being and health and safety more than the average company. And these portfolios always like significantly outperform the S&P. Uh, so oh. you, you can't say this is why, because there are so many factors that go into yes. it. But bottom line, if you are one of these award recipients, you know, and you're a publicly traded company, they will put you in a stock portfolio just to watch how you perform against the rest of the market. I, you know, I think the reality is that anybody that has those kind of professions and, and they've got, they've planted that flag to do that. You have a lot of your other stuff. Your fundamentals are already well taken care of. Yeah. I, you know, I think if you're planting that flag, you've got a lot of the other stuff really well managed. Sure. And so, of course, as a company, you're going to perform better than the average company. Yeah. I don't. So I don't know if it's the if I don't I wouldn't say it's definitely the mental health things that they've added in and that's had an impact. But for sure, anybody doing that level of service for their employees already has a lot of really good things going for them as yeah. a management team. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. It's good. It's a good. It's a good measure for for me for a different reason. <laughs> yeah. I, I would just see. I would see. Look. I would see. Okay. The mental health part, maybe. Right. Like you said, it's hard to quantify it. Yeah. But but I I can quantify the fact that they've made this effort and they put their name out there, which would tell me they got their shit together. Yeah, and, and then there's always that chance of something disastrous happening and now the company from a liability perspective is in hot water from a you know cost perspective is now you know paying for mm. cleanup of some sort of or another and so uh, when a company hasn't focused on mental health it's a lot harder yeah. to get their employees on board with with something uh, new or concerning mm. or whatever um uh, you know, like, like the loss of an employee, Let, let's say an employee yes, passes yeah. away in their sleep and they have a counselor come on site and these employees are just like, whatever, the company's doing this just to say they did it. Like they don't really care. Uh, if they really yeah, care. Yeah, yeah. They would do X, Y, and Z. Uh, or you right. know, our manager said some hollow words in the meeting, but we know they don't care. Uh, and they certainly didn't care about so-and-so who just passed away. Mm. Like when you're fighting that perception in those very difficult moments, it makes the job so much harder than right. if in the everyday world of working for that company, you felt supported and cared for mm. and all that. That makes a lot of sense. So, Mike, we're, we're at the end of the time. All um, right. And, and I think we got your story out. And we, I think very interesting. I love what you're doing. Hey, thanks. I'm a big, I yeah, and and I I'm a big believer in going to the workplace uh, for this. I think there's a lot of value in doing this at work, 
and I think no no small stat is the is the managers having a seventy percent you know potential impact in their life. Yeah, um, I spent a lot of time in the workplace, uh, corporate corporate career in my early days. So, and I did employee benefit plans. So I know a bit about EAPs. I did some analyzing on employee benefit programs. Um, so I played around a lot in that space as an insurance person. Um, so everything you, everything you talked about hits home for me, makes absolute sense. Great. You're in a great spot. And I think you're going to do real, you're going to do a lot of really, say this, you're going to do well by doing good. Hey, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, you're in the, you're in the right place. Um, any closing thoughts, any messages for, for your, you know, clients or potential clients. And then, you know, I've got your, your um, Mark D fee, dot com. I've got your, your banner up. So maybe any closing thoughts on how do people find you and how do they get involved and anything else you're working and passionate about you'd want help on? Yeah, thanks. And it, let me just start by saying thank you for inviting me to be on here. Um, one, I, I was you know, very excited to be here, but two, just seeing that there's just another person out there getting mm -hmm. the word out about mental health and how we need to talk about it, how we need to look at yeah. it from so many different perspectives. Uh, thank you. I think that's greatly needed. For me, I work with organizations that want to try something new, that okay. uh, recognize they might have an issue going on with their employees and they, they want to take some steps to mm. address it, but maybe they don't want to take on a long you know, contract with a new vendor partner yeah. or something. I run a program called Thrive Again Program. It's an eight-week mm. mental skills boot camp. Um, so it's it's a short-term, you know, contract for companies who might just be looking to dip their yeah, toes in the water yeah. with trying something. It's kind of all those things I mentioned earlier in terms of spoon-fed to them, bite-sized, okay. uh, short-term, very personal. Like from the beginning, mm. they see me. I'm your coach for the next eight weeks. We're going to be doing a number of things together. Uh, so it's delivering that program, but also doing a lot of custom work for organizations who will sit down and say, what's going on with your employees right now yeah. and how can we specifically support them? And a lot of companies will say, well, we don't know. And it's like, okay, well, that's where we need to start. Um, I love so, that. so whatever company is out there sitting there going, yeah, maybe we do want to try something new and, and see uh, what results we can change. I'd love to talk to you. Yeah, it's great. And again, Mark, I mean, big appreciation for what you're doing, getting out there and, you know, taking the risk at leaving corporate putting your shingle out and, and trying to do, trying to do good. And, and I love turning your own personal story into, into something powerful. It's hey, amazing. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. And, and a big thanks out to anybody listening, especially if you're listening to the recorded version of this. Uh, just down below all of, <laughs> all of Mark's, uh, Mark's, Mark's microphones down there in the, yeah. in the notes, uh, but also all of Mark's social media and stuff is down in the notes and how to find him and everything else. If you're catching the show on a, on one of our audio platforms. So Mark, this show's live now. It'll be posted on uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, YouTube, and uh, Twitter. Cool. And so the, this actual video will be on there and then we'll be posting an audio version on the classical uh, channels in a couple of weeks. So that's fantastic. Yeah. Big thanks again. Hang on for 30 seconds. I got one more commercial. I'll say goodbye to you on the other side. Sounds good. Yeah, loose, baby. But we're about to go and 
make this vessel with these great professionals in public glass. We're not part of the community, but we're from the outer family of glass blowing. Yeah, we're gonna go make a magical giant jar with optic lenses so that if you turn it, it changes all the time. So if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at will change.